Canada's supply chain stalled indefinitely. We have small and medium-sized retailers who have containers that are stuck behind picket lines. How labor unrest is paralyzing BC ports with no end in sight. New drivers get a shortcut. We're actually seeing a 50% failure rate right now, so why they would take 10 minutes off the test doesn't make a lot of sense. How ICBC justifies new shorter driver's tests. And a teaching assistant fired for what she does outside the classroom. I don't regret it because I think that there is such a stigma behind OnlyFans and sex work. Why her employer says she went too far on social media. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Talks aimed at ending BC's port strike have stalled as thousands of workers impacted walk the picket lines for a fourth day. And both sides are accusing the other of being unreasonable. Nithu Garcha has more on why things have fallen apart and the growing cost to the Canadian economy. Nithu. Yeah, Chris, the Retail Council of Canada says an estimated $1 billion worth of cargo flows through West Coast ports every day. That accounts for an estimated 25% of Canada's imports and exports. And the council says there could be serious consequences for small businesses too. These workers are marching outside one of their employer's Vancouver dispatch centres. Their union says they're fighting for long-term labour stability needed in the industry. They're among more than 7,000 workers who load and unload cargo at more than 30 B.C. ports. The union has highlighted three main concerns at the bargaining table. Automation, contracting out and cost of living wage increases. The bottlenecks at terminals and warehouses are growing. Ports are clogging up with cargo stuck on shore. Businesses are scrambling to find alternatives. We have small and medium-sized retailers who have containers that are stuck behind picket lines at container terminals who want the contents of those of those containers to sell to customers in their stores. Greg Wilson with the Retail Council of Canada says if the strike continues for a few weeks, there could be layoffs in other parts of the supply chain, including distribution centres and transport companies. All consumers bear those costs. The Vancouver Fraser Port Authority says one of every three dollars of Canada's trade in goods outside of North America moves through the Port of Vancouver. So any disruption to port operations has a significant impact globally and on Canadians. This is going to hit affordability for Canadians and Canadian businesses immediately. So we need to see this uh, taken seriously and we'd like to see the government recall parliament and, and start working on back to work legislation. There were similar impasses on the U.S. West Coast earlier this month. President Joe Biden and the new acting U.S. Secretary of Labor stepped in to help broker a six-year contract. This deal shows collective bargaining works. Negotiations hit an impasse overnight, and by Tuesday morning, the B.C. Maritime Employers Association said talks had paused, calling on the union to put forward what it calls a reasonable proposal to reach a fair and balanced deal. Federal Labor Minister Seamus O'Regan's office said they were, quote, pleasantly surprised to hear the employer didn't directly ask for back-to-work legislation and encourage both sides to remain at the bargaining table until they come to an agreement. But the longer this drags on, the more pressure Ottawa faces to step in and help ensure a deal is reached. Chris? Thank you, Neetu. All right, let's bring in Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry with more on this. And Keith, you have the inside scoop on the numbers being discussed at the bargaining table, and there is clearly some distance between them. 
Oh, some big distance. They're not this far apart. They're about this far apart, particularly on the ages issue of pensions and benefits and wages. Take a look at what's been delivered by the union to the employer at the negotiating table. One year increase of 11 percent. The next year, 6 percent for a two year increase of 17 percent, plus another $8,000 one time inflation allowance payment and then a $10,000 increase in retirement allowance that would bring it up to $92,250. You add it all up over two years, it's an increase of 21.8%. That compares to the employer offer of 14% over four years. The fact this information was leaked to me and also they put this to the union to, for comment. They don't want to comment on this. They say this is best left at the negotiating table. The problem is there's no negotiations right now as Nitu reported. Things have broken off and given the distance on this one issue alone, it's hard to see them coming back anytime soon and the pressure is going to be building on Ottawa to get involved sooner than later because the economic havoc this career is quite substantive. And as you saw in her piece, layoffs are on the horizon. If this continues much longer. Yeah, the hit to the economy adding up every day. All right, thanks for that. Keith Baldry in Victoria. The Insurance Corporation of BC has quietly made some changes to the length of some driving tests. The road test for a Class 5 and 7 license has been chopped by about 10 minutes. ICBC says it allows more tests to be completed in a day. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, some are asking if it compromises safety. And I just like to make sure that all the tires are inflated and have good air because you don't want to shred your tires. Ray Neil de Guzman is vigilant about his vehicle's condition, along with safety behind the wheel. Makes sense, he owns Rain City Driving School. You scan, shoulder check, and you go on a safe gap. So it's very hard to get a road test, especially when they say that after failing a road test, you can take one about two weeks later. It's going to take you about three months to six months to uh, find another test date. Now, ICBC is hoping to reduce testing queues by shortening Class 7 and 5 road tests from 45 minutes to 35 minutes, raising questions for some. 10 minutes off of a 45-minute test time is a lot. Um, and again, we're seeing a 50% failure rate right now with the test time as it is. So my question to ICBC, which hasn't been answered, is what's coming off that test? ICBC says testing capacity will increase by 22 percent. We've been able to remove some redundancies in the road tests, such as left turns, intersection throughs. We've also been able to do um, our road test scan on the road as we repeat it to the customer. We've also been able to remove some parking maneuvers that also were redundant. Let me scan, shoulder check, make it turn. De Guzman says he's okay with the shortened test and believes poor driving skills will be identified in 35 minutes. As a uh, driving school instructor, when I assess people for the first time, it usually takes me about uh, 20 minutes to see uh, their full capacity as a driver. And for those who fail? A lot of people, uh, they fail on uh, speeding. Just like before, they'll be forced to return for a retest. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, the boss of BC Ferry says the company will do better after a long weekend full of cancelled and delayed sailings and long waits. And while Nicholas Jimenez says all options are on the table, he warns an ongoing staff shortage means the fleet simply doesn't have the person power to deal with unexpected challenges during the busy summer travel season. Richard Zussman reports. 
It's a sight for sore eyes, the coastal celebration back on the water after being stuck on dry dock for the chaotic Canada Day long weekend. It is an amazing vessel and we're so happy to see it back into service. This weekend was unacceptable and exacerbated by the loss of a major vessel on a, on a major sailing route. BC Ferries forced to cancel dozens of sailings over the weekend due to delays in a retrofit of the coastal celebration. Travelers still playing catch-up. I was kind of concerned coming over, but uh, I was just hoping everything would work out. You just never know what you're going to get nowadays, right? At its peak, a six-sailing wait between Tawasin to Swartz Bay and a message from the BC Ferry CEO. The rest of the summer may not all be smooth sailing. So people need to plan. You have to plan ahead, whether that means a reservation uh, or whether that means coming on as a walk-on, taking transit, uh, basically using other options that don't involve your vehicle. We've got to be in this moment for this summer. Another reason for all this traffic over the Canada Day long weekend was a lack of staff. There was no 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. sailings because of worries about burnout. It's something Transportation Minister Rob Fleming says will change come the August long weekend. That is the expectation, is that we'll be able to add those additional sailings, which, which we had added to the schedule and then had to, to pull back. The business is ready and we're going to run it as best we can, knowing that there's always the risk that we have associated with relief crews. Green Party MLA Adam Olson says the big problem is recruitment and wages when it comes to additional BC Ferry staff. So the provincial government needs to assure BC Ferries that they can go out and, and attract those workers and that we're offering competitive wages. But getting those workers in place by BC Day, not possible, meaning those without a reservation should expect rough seas. Richard Zussman, Global News, Swartz Bay. Police have now identified the victim of a fatal shooting in Coquitlam. It happened Sunday night in the 500 block of Foster Avenue. Witnesses reported hearing several gunshots and a vehicle speeding away. Police have identified the victim as 25-year-old Karnveer Singh Garcha of Coquitlam. Last December, Garcha was one of two men who were the subject of a public warning from Surrey RCMP that because of their association, association with gang violence, Anyone connected to them or in their proximity could be putting themselves at risk. Investigators say they have learned Garcha was dropped off at the scene just minutes before he was killed. They want to speak with anyone who had contact with him, including the person who dropped him off. And they're looking for any dash cam video from that time. The man caught on camera in a violent attack on an Uber driver in Abbotsford has pleaded guilty. It happened back on April 18th. The driver, Aman Sud, said the passenger became verbally abusive over his route choice and then attacked him when he pulled over. Police were able to identify the suspect as 38-year-old William Tickle. He has now pleaded guilty to assault and has been sentenced to one day in jail and 12 months probation. Tickle was given credit for 44 days spent in custody and also ordered to pay a $100 victim surcharge. A summer camp for children on Granville Island is the latest flashpoint in the battle over LGBTQ rights. It is a drag camp and some people are uneasy that children are participating. But as Kylie Stanton reports on the first day of the camp, supporters far outnumbered protesters. signs and waving flags ready to send a message loud proud and clear drag is an art form it always has been in the queer community we've known that forever i think this is about kids accessing art 
Dozens gathered outside Carousel Theatre for Young People Tuesday morning on its first day of its drag summer camp for youth in anticipation of protests over its programming. About three or four months ago, began receiving quite a lot of hate-filled messaging, both to all of our staff's email addresses, all of our social channels, and on the phone. It's been really tough. In a show of support, the entertainment industry union, IATSE 118, put a call out to its members, inviting allies to stand in solidarity a united front against those who would do harm to anyone in our theatre community. I am overwhelmed by the amount of people who have come out to support us. I've been replying to emails for, for weeks of just all sorts of unions and community members stepping up, and we were pretty confident that we had more numbers. The officers monitoring the situation seemed to outnumber the protesters. Fewer than 10 showed up. I'm a bisexual man and I absolutely do not approve of this. I do not think children should be at pride events. Children should not be sexualized. But after months of harassment, largely from anti-two-spirit LGBTQ plus groups like Action for Canada, the theatre company wasn't taking any chances. An online fundraiser launched last week raised nearly $18,000, far more than the 8000 required for additional security. As for the children, camp organizers told Global News measures had been taken to protect them, some saying they had actually been moved off-site. As the saying goes, the show must go on. Shakespeare did it, right? I mean, it's literally just art like anything else is. And if we're keeping score... One, two, three! It appears love indeed wins. Kylie Stanton, Global News. A former B.C. education assistant says she's filed a union grievance after being fired because of her posts on social media. As Erin MacArthur reports, she's been told by the school district that her conduct is egregious. So pretty and he liked that. Intimate images posted online, sparking a public discussion. The images ended up costing 35-year-old Kristen McDonald her day job as a teaching assistant in the Coquitlam School District. I have a concern. The district sending her a termination letter June 16th. I did expect it. Uh, there was still a part of me that was hopeful. McDonald has been posting adult content to the internet under the pseudonym of Ava James. The single mother says her salary as an EA doesn't cover her expenses, so she turned to OnlyFans as a side hustle. Her employer, School District 43, caught wind of her online presence and demanded she stop and pull the images down. McDonald refused and went public with her predicament, arguing what she does in her private time is none of her employer's business. Regardless of people's opinions and their, you know, the way they feel, uh, the morality of it all, uh, I don't believe I deserve to lose my job. According to School District 43, the termination notice was issued based on six reasons. The letter says... Your misconduct in this matter is egregious. You have posted content that involves the sexualization of the school environment. According to the district, it was McDonald who made the private dispute public by going to the media. The school board writing, which promoted the connection between your Ava James alias to your identity as a district employee. Employment lawyers say while McDonald may have been the one to make the link with the district, the line between public and private here isn't as clearly defined as people might think. She's not saying, I work at the Coquitlam School District, isn't that titillating? 
right? There's no connection between this fictional persona and her job. School District 43 says it won't discuss individual cases. McDonald is filing a grievance of her termination. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A case of the gift of life going to waste. Since 2022, we've been experiencing what I would describe as a surgical crisis. Doctors sounding the alarm about a shortage of kidney transplant doctors and the agony for those on the waiting list. That's next on the News Hour. Well, I figure it'll probably take me about 650 hours to build this one. A former Canadian sailor turns to model making as a form of therapy. That's later on the News Hour. And coming up in sports, Toronto Raptors superfan Nav Badia gives a big boost to BC basketball. That's ahead, too. Right now, though, another crisis is emerging in healthcare, one that's costing patients their second chance at life. That's right. As Krista Dow reports, a shortage of specialized surgeons has officials sending transplantable organs out of the province. I'm alive, but I'm not really living. As part of his routine three times a week, Sukinder Mangat prepares for an enduring and lengthy treatment. Takes up to six hours altogether. You know, that's my traveling time too. Sometimes, like, I get so tired that I come home, barely eat dinner and just go to bed. Mangit has been on dialysis for more than 11 years and has been anxiously waiting for a kidney transplant. It's hard on everything. You know, it's hard financially, emotionally. Mangit is one of 7,500 British Columbians who have kidney failure and require dialysis or a transplant. Typically, we perform about 325 transplants per year. Years-long wait times becoming even longer as BC deals with a staffing shortage. Last year, 60 kidneys were exported to other provinces because no kidney transplant surgeons were available. Lack of surgeons meant 10 more transplant opportunities were lost as those kidneys were too fragile to send. So far this year, 13 kidneys donated in BC were sent elsewhere. BC unable to import two sensitized kidneys like the one Mangit desperately needs because no one was available. Who knows how many people have died just for waiting for a transplant and yet we're shipping these kidneys out because of lack of surgeons. We've been experiencing what I would describe as a surgical crisis. We need eight transplant surgeons to support the volume of kidney transplants that we perform and we currently are working with four transplant surgeons. Gill calling on the province to urgently act and invest more in the specialized fields and its surgeons. We've got to continue to do the work to increase the capacity of the system so that we have the even greater capacity to increase uh, uh, transplants of all kinds. I have blood pressure pill. Meanwhile, patients like Mangit surviving with medication and dialysis, hoping the phone call for a new kidney comes soon. Krista Dow, Global News. And kidney transplants are far and away the most common surgeries in B.C. B.C. Transplant says there were 465 transplants done in B.C. last year. 25 were heart transplants. 54 people got new lungs. Surgeons performed just over 100 liver transplants, but did 288 kidney transplants. The total surgery is slightly less than the individual numbers because some operations involve more than one organ. Coming up next, the call for a public inquiry into what a judge called a house of horrors. I think any social worker looking at that situation, the flags should have been going up. Foster parents guilty in a deadly case of child neglect. 
why their lawyer says they aren't the only ones to blame. Also ahead, the failed civic political party just punished by Elections BC. A coroner's inquest began today into the deadly police shooting in 2020 of a well-known advocate for the homeless after he engaged police in a six-hour standoff. Barry Shantz eventually exited the home with a shotgun and was shot and killed. And as Grace Key reports, members of his family believe officers should approach mental health calls like his differently. They didn't call his son people that maybe could have made a difference. Marilyn Farquhar provided some emotional testimony at the coroner's inquest into her brother's death. Thank you. Barry Schantz was an advocate for the homeless, one of the founders of the BC Yukon Association of Drug War Survivors, and he fought for bylaw changes in Abbotsford that allowed people to sleep in city parks overnight if there were no other options. Many of these people in here have lost all their property so many times and gone to jail so many times. What's one more? In January 2020, police shot and killed 63-year-old Barry Schantz when he came out of his Lytton home with a shotgun. Jurors heard from the daughter of Schantz's partner. Her mother called 911 after he grabbed the weapon, saying he was suicidal. An emergency response and crisis negotiation team were called in. They had six hours of a standoff to bring somebody in. They had a helicopter there bringing in police officers, but didn't bring in a mental health professional. How can we prevent this happening again? And when somebody calls and says, I want suicide by cop, they don't get suicide by cop. They get a mental health professional that can de-escalate, talk to them, connect with them, talk them down. The Independent Investigations Office, the province's police watchdog group, determined the use of lethal force was proportionate to the risk. Shantz told officers he wanted six shots in my body and fired his weapon upward in the direction of the first two arriving officers who immediately took cover. He never shot at any police officers. He never shot towards police officers. There is a hole in the roof in the soffit outside that window. Barry fired that gun once into the air not towards anybody. He didn't brandish it when he came outside the house. The inquest is not fault-finding, but jurors will be making recommendations in order to prevent a similar tragedy. The officers who responded to the incident are also expected to testify. Grace Key, Global News. The horrific case of foster parents who so badly neglected their children that one of them died has raised calls for a public inquiry. The lawyer for the foster mother who was sentenced to 10 years in prison says the role of the Ministry of Children and Family Development must be examined as well, or it's doomed to happen again. Kristen Robinson reports. The judge called it a house of horrors. Two Indigenous children starved and tortured by their foster parents, also Indigenous. The evidence indicated the Ministry of Children and Family Development hadn't checked on the 11-year-old boy and 8-year-old girl for seven months. The last visit, July 2020, February 2021, the boy suffered a traumatic brain injury. He died days later. This young child died, but he didn't need to die. Lawyer Derwin Petrie represents the foster mother sentenced to 10 years in prison for manslaughter and aggravated assault. He and his client want a provincial inquiry into what went wrong. My client took accountability and took responsibility by pleading guilty. But there were other people that were involved. The social workers, I think they've got to come forward and explain what was going on and why weren't they doing things in the seven months that this child was being abused. The MCFD says the staff directly involved in the case are no longer employed by the ministry. The children said the judge were put in the foster parents' care for protection. The exact opposite occurred. 
Their actions against these children were evil and inhumane. Sums up really what happened here, and it didn't need to happen. The foster mother, according to the evidence, asked the MCFD for help as she could not care for the children. She had requested assistance early on in the process and, and wasn't given that assistance. They could have done a video chat with the child on a regular basis, and they would have noticed immediately that there were significant changes taking place in this, this child's physical appearance, and they could have done something about it. Much of the abuse was captured by CCTV cameras in the home. The evidence included 16,000 videos. It is inconceivable, said the judge, to understand how the abuse as depicted on the videos continued over a lengthy period of time with the children in emaciated conditions and no one did anything. The only way I think my client believes as well that um, change will come when the public is made aware of the problems that are within the system. This information has to come to light and I think the only way to do that is through a public inquiry. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Elections BC has banned well-known political organizer Mark Marison from running in local elections for three years after his Progress Vancouver party broke campaign finance rules. Marison is the ex-husband of former Premier Christy Clark. He ran for mayor of Vancouver last year under the Progress Vancouver party. Elections BC says the party filed a finance report late and there were violations including a non-permissible $50,000 loan and prohibited donations. The party has been deregistered and an investigation into Progress Vancouver's finances has now been opened. Mark Marison issued a statement about this on Twitter alleging Progress Vancouver was incorrectly advised by legal counsel about a loan used to pay day-to-day -day staff expenses. Marison thanked those who ran under the Progress banner and says none of them had anything to do with causing these issues. Supercars in the impound lot. The street racing crackdown in Surrey coming up. And the latest on a suspected firebug busted in Nanaimo. A big blow to downtown Vernon as a fire has destroyed a number of businesses. The fire broke out just after 2 in the morning and spread quickly. No one was injured, thankfully, but it was a close call for one person and their dog who got out just in time. Investigators are focusing on the fact the fire did not start inside the building. The fire was located on the south wall, and as crews approached, um, they, uh, they quickly determined the fire had started from the outside of the, the structure. We don't have a specific um, uh, ignition point at this uh, at uh, The fire is under investigation, and uh, we are moving forward. Uh, it is suspicious in nature at this time. At one point, the smoke was so bad, it sparked an air quality advisory for Vernon. The building, as you can see, has since been demolished. Six vehicles have been impounded and 21 tickets issued during a street racing crackdown by Surrey RCMP. Officers attended a well-known stretch of 192nd Street popular with street racers. On June 16th, five of the tickets issued were for excessive speed. One driver was found to be impaired. Surrey RCMP are encouraging people not to attend street racing events, warning they are dangerous not only for drivers but for spectators as well. Well, work is underway to expand and renovate Caribou Memorial Hospital in Williams Lake. A new three-story addition to the hospital will add 25 beds to the facility for a total of 53. The upgrades will include a new emergency department, expanded surgical inpatient and maternity wards, and a new eight-bed mental health and substance use unit. The hospital's pharmacy and parking facilities are also being expanded. 
The hospital also included administrative, educational, and training spaces for the University of British Columbia's Faculty of, Med of Medicine. So important when you consider the future of healthcare and the need to recruit through Health Human Resources the staff we need to fill and to provide care at this hospital. The $366 million expansion is being done in two phases, with the three-story addition expected to open in 2026 and the rest of the project completed by 2029. Just ahead, from Navy sailor to master modeler. I used to sit, sit on this box here. After chasing Russian submarines around the ocean, how Yvonne Lehu found a way to calm his mind, capturing every tiny detail of the ships he served on. Plus, how are you guys doing? Basketball's biggest ambassador, what the Raptors superfan is doing in BC. That's later in sports. BC wildfire crews continue to battle a fire near Sayward on Vancouver Island today. The Browning Creek wildfire is the second one in close proximity to the village in recent weeks. The fire on Kusam Mountain is just under two hectares. It was human-caused and is considered out of control. The smoke is very visible from the community, but no structures are threatened, thankfully. Fire crews have been in the area since May 29th, initially battling the Newcastle Creek fire west of Sayward. I've been working for 34 days straight, feeding supper to the firefighters out at the Crossroads restaurant and pub. The guy almost felt like they were all my kids too, right? Because every night I called them in for dinner and I really appreciate everything they've done. They've got a really hard job what they do. She's a hero as well. There are three attack crews and two helicopters working the Browning Creek fire right now. And a man has been arrested after a string of suspicious fires were set along the Nanaimo Parkway. Several fire trucks were dispatched to respond to multiple wildfires starting just before noon today. Police say witnesses saw a man setting fires along the walking trail adjacent to the parkway. At around half past noon, a man was arrested even as firefighters continued to battle the flames. Windy and dry conditions made the battle even more difficult. Police are looking to speak with anyone who witnessed the fires being set. We want to thank the people for coming forward. Like, without that information, we wouldn't have been able to find that person so quickly. But having said that, we need to speak to the people. They left the scene. They probably they went on with their lives. But we have to speak to them to get their details on file as to what they actually saw. These were suspicious fires, so we didn't have normal fire behavior. Uh, we had a temperature in the close to 30. We had relative humidity in the low 30s, and we had high winds. So when you put those three factors, we had a, a, about a half hour of some serious... Uh, fire behavior along this backside of me on the parkway. No charges have been laid yet in this case. Warm, dry weather and fire. Terrible mix mm -hmm. right now. Let's see how much more of it we're going to get. Yvonne's in for Christy tonight. Nice to see you, Yvonne. Thank you so much and good evening. Uh, we are seeing very hazy conditions as well. Let's add to that and the temperatures are going to even be hotter for many areas extending in towards the interior. Here's a glance at what it looks like. So we do have some cloud cover that's rolled in just from the northwest. We can see those winds there, but also with a bit of thin smoke in the air as well. Temperatures are sitting at 21 degrees. We've had daytime record temperatures fall through the day today. These are some unofficial numbers. Chilliwack getting up to 33. Old record of 32.8 was set back in 1972. White 
Rock getting up to 30 degrees. Port Alberni as well, Squamish with an old record set back in 2015. So here's what we are anticipating though. Uh, sorry, hotspot as well. Lytton today getting up to 33.9. Also wanted to note the air quality health index right now for the lower mainland sitting at anywhere between moderate. It should drop down to low as we get in towards this evening. But we'll be watching this very closely. We've got a heat warning that has been issued. This is along the northern half of the province inland terrace Kitimat. We'll see temperatures soaring to around 30 degrees and then overnight lows just down to 15 so not much of a reprieve and we'll likely see that for the north coast inland even over the next four to five days. Areas away from the water for Metro Vancouver the temperature trend hottest days will be Wednesday Thursday and then a touch of a reprieve as we get in towards the weekend so far. Coastal areas cooler just up to 19 degrees central interior 28 much of the southern half of the province temperatures will may remain into the low 30s as we approach our Friday inland across the island for Port Alberni up to 33. It's away from the water. We're up to 30 degrees with the Humanex. It's going to feel closer to 35. And as we get in towards the end of the week, potentially the weekend still hot and very hazy. Here's a shot from tonight's weather window. This one captured by Sandra in Kamloops. So serene. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Wasn't so serene in here a few minutes ago. <laughs> no. no, I don't know how many of you noticed, but there was a very <laughs> Very loud pop. Maybe, maybe you would describe it as an explosion. Kind of was. It was a little bit. <laughs> well, was. We want to show you what happened. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, some are asking if it compromises <laughs> safety. <laughs> Did you think there was a sniper in here? Well, look at what happened. This is what made that noise. There is fire dripping. Wow. It's right behind you guys. The, right behind us. That was a light that exploded, and then the plastic around it caught fire. Wow. You know, dripping to the floor, flames, but whatever. It's fine. That, that's only about this six feet behind us. This is fine. It's all under control. <laughs> anyway, our engineers checked it out. They tell us it's all safe now, so we're still here. Well, there's nothing left. Well, there are other lights in this studio. Oh, that's studio. true, yeah. Wow. That's true. No sprinklers went off either. Nothing. I'm not sure if there's one up there or not, but... Uh, Chris was out looking for a fire um, extinguisher. And <laughs> I just sat here for a while going, looking at the lights. Funny, funny thing <laughs> is, I don't know if you guys remember, but the exact same thing happens when, happened when Wayne Cox was doing the weather a long yeah. time ago, too, where it, you know, <laughs> you feel like you're under fire. Yeah. Well, I would say if we were in the United States, it was part of the July 4th. Celebration. It seems yes. fitting. You know, it, it is part of the July 4th yes, weekend. The Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. And the best part of it is not the eating, because that part's disgusting. The best part is the MC, George Shea. Only one man has stood to say that he will dictate what is and is not possible in this world. I speak of this man. Yeah, Joey Chestnut. I think that guy spends all year thinking up the most flowery introductions for professional gluttons. Crazy. Also coming up tonight, smooth sailing, the inspiration behind these exact replicas of Canadian Navy ships. All right, Squire's here now with sports. That's right. The uh, BC Lions and Vancouver Whitecaps fortunes have been rather similar in the last week and a bit after huge wins for both the Whitecaps over LAFC, the Lions over Winnipeg. They both fell off the pedestal right on their faces. The Caps 
lost 3-0 against Kansas City, and the Lions lost 45-24 to the Argos last night, where quarterback Vernon Adams was throwing footballs the way people throw beads at Mardi Gras. Six interceptions, which led to 31 Toronto points. Uh, obviously, you just got to take care of the ball, man. Um, yeah, I think everybody played hard out there, man. They played, they played their butts off, man, our whole team. Defense did a great job, too, man. You know, before that last pick six, I mean, we were still only, you know, down 11, you know, so the defense were, was doing great, man. I just, like I said, I got to take care of the ball, be better for my team. I know when I was watching the film on the sideline, I think I had a few check downs, um, maybe, you know, towards the end of the game, forcing some things there. So, uh, you know, just want to watch the film again and just um, confirm that. And just, like I said, I told the team, man, I'm going to come back to work and I'm going to prepare harder than I've been, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it was a tough one for the good guys today. Sunday they're home to Montreal, so not a lot of time between that game. I guess flushed out of your system real fast. Canada and Cuba at the Gold Cup. First goal for Canada, Junior Hoylet on the PK. This was a game Canada had to win and everybody thought would win, and they did. Jonathan Osorio from Lucas Cavallini, that made it 2-0. Cuba got two goals on penalty kicks. It was 2-1 at halftime, but then uh, Jaden Nelson gets a goal here in a scramble. This would make it 3-1. to one. It would prove to be the winning goal, so Canada finishes second in its group behind Guatemala. And because of that, Canada gets a tough draw on Sunday. In the quarters, Canada faces the United States. Over the years, Nav Bhatia has become as famous as the players on his favorite basketball team, the Toronto Raptors. And when he's not running his Hyundai dealership in Mississauga, he's helping improve young basketball players across Canada through the camps which he runs, two in BC this month, and both are sold out. Good morning. Y'all good? Y'all good? I'm Nab Bhatia, also known as Raptors Superfan. Okay, let's go. Number 17 in your programs, number one in your hearts. Let's hear it for Arvin. Nav Badia is sharing his irrepressible love of basketball, sport, and our country of Canada this summer at his superfan basketball camps. Naturally, basketball is front and center, and so too is Nav and his message of strength in diversity. This is from somebody who never played basketball or sports as a child growing up in India. You know, a lot of people see a guy with a turban or with a hijab, they must be thinking different things. But actually, it is not. Deep inside, 99.999%, we are all the same, you know. And basketball, which I think is the best sports in the world on this planet, has given me the opportunity to bring the world together. And that's why I say strength in diversity. Use your differences to strengthen this country, to strengthen your relationship. And that's what I've done. Oh, come on! Batty has attended every Raptors home game since 1995, so he's truly earned his superfan nickname. And his decades-long passion for the Raptors in Canada go hand-in-hand, hand, which also explains why he's gone from superfan to superstar. Uh, the first time we went through airport security and he wasn't searched, that's when I knew, okay, there's something going on here because he's the only 71-year-old uh, guy with a turban and a beard not going through security now. So Thank you. Thank, Thank you for everything much. you do. Well, he is an iconic brand in Canada. He's absolutely. In fact, in fact, you may well even say from, from MLSE standpoint that he is actually you know, a, a, a real brand that, that they can they capitalize on themselves. This is a Hall of Fame ring. I'm in the Hall of Fame, yes. 
I'm the only non-player who's in the Hall of Fame. Nav wants every child to feel like a superstar in sport, and more importantly, in life. His foundation subsidizes the majority of the kids' fantasy camps in Victoria, Vancouver, and Ontario. It's his way of saying thanks to a country that's given him so much. This is our future for this beautiful country, and I want to make sure that these kids from all ethnic backgrounds are there at one. This is my way to make sure I contribute to keep Canada the best country in the world. Never invite this man to your house for dinner, although he will only stay about 10 minutes, but in that 10 minutes, he will eat you out of house and home. Uh, Joey Chestnut won the hot dog contest again today in New York. They had a rain delay, a weather delay, it was lightning. And they finally got it on, and he won it rather easily, 16th time in the last 17 years. Put down about 18,600 calories in 10 minutes. On the women's side, it looks close in the scoreboard, but when they did a recount, they found that uh, Mickey Sudo, who's now won this nine times, uh, did not have to win it in a close finish. They kind of miscounted. Recount, she had 39 and a half hot dogs, which is well clear of the competition. Crazy. I love hot dogs. Yeah. Thanks, You love Squire. that many? No. In 10 minutes? Nobody even close to Joey Chestnut. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Just ahead, a retired sailor finds solace in his new hobby, making incredible models of the ships he served on. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agency's group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong standing by now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, anyone who's been in Stanley Park lately has probably noticed all the sick and dead trees. It's the result of drought and a multi-year looper moth outbreak. So with all that fuel in Vancouver's crown jewel, what's the plan to deal with it and mitigate the fire risk? One member of the park board is asking that question tonight, and we'll hear from him at 11. And from wildfires to wildflowers, the growing number of urban meadows popping up around town and in some locations you might not expect. The goal of that program and who's behind it at 11. Sophie. All right. Thanks, Jordan. A Canadian Navy veteran is keeping himself busy in retirement, replicating the seven ships he sailed on. As Jada Rant shows us on This Is BC, Yvonne LaHue's ship modeling is part hobby and part therapy. These kept me awake one night, and I carved the hole inside. There are no kits to buy for these models. Yvonne LaHue has to craft every little piece from scratch to recreate his Navy ships. The hardest part, I would say, was the radar mast. Every tiny detail offering the veteran a trip through time. I used to sit right here after a meal at night, just get the breeze from the ocean. LaHue was just 19 when he joined the Royal Canadian Navy, serving on some destroyers that were part of NATO patrol. We were chasing Russian submarines. But three decades of service took its toll on his mental health. LaHue still struggles with PTSD. I had nightmares about the Navy about three or four times a week. <laughs> so many things that I had to hide inside. These are all things that affect you, you know, in the long term, and you don't realize it. This work has been part of his therapy. A sense of uh, self-achievement, confidence, and a sense of purpose. He plans to build all seven ships he served on during his 30-year career. This is the, uh, my first ship that I sailed on, the Skeena. The exact measurements here are... Matching the designs from official blueprints. This is a picture of it, what it, what it will look like once it's done. 
He's taken over the dining room table. Next up for discussion, where to set up the display. I'm debating with my wife now, where are we gonna put all these ships when I'm done? You know, and then I says, well, we just have to turn our house into a museum. But uh, I don't think this is gonna fly because... <laughs> Not a lot of time to worry about that right now because he's hard at work on what he thinks will be his masterpiece, HMCS Algonquin. Will it take me about 650 hours to build this one, but it's all worth it. Jay Durant, Global News. Great work. If you have a great story to share, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Good boating weather for the next little while, Yvonne. Yeah, it would be nice to try and find ways to keep cool. Uh, temperature still on the rise. We'll likely see the peak of the heat on Thursday. Uh, factor in the humidex tomorrow, 35 degrees. Towards the end of the week, still hot and hazy as well. We have a lot of Americans sometimes watching. Happy 4th of July. Thanks for letting us share with an exploding light bulb. <laughs> Turn out our lights and say goodnight. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.